and magnify and exalt and extol the holy name of Jesus. It's still the name above every other name. You can speak the name of Jesus and every demon's going to tremble. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. The presence of the Lord is here tonight. There's an old song that says, there is nothing like the presence of the Lord. And I'm just going to tell you today, I still uh, stand on and believe that in the presence of the Lord, you can find everything that you need. Amen. Whatever it is that you need from the Lord today, it is here and it is here right now. Amen. The book of Malachi chapter 1, Malachi chapter 1 and verse 1. While you're turning there, let me again say what an honor and a privilege it is to be with the wonderful people of God at Cornerstone. And I uh, thank God for what he's doing. And I just believe, God, that he's not done yet. I just believe, God, that the best is yet to come. I, I don't, as the old song says, I don't feel no ways tired. Uh, except I kind of do a little bit in my flesh tonight, but that's all right. Uh, still got the Holy Ghost, and that's what matters. Amen. Give honor again tonight, Pastor and First Lady Mayo. I love and appreciate so much and honor them and the wonderful saints of God. Malachi chapter 1, verse 1, the burden of the word of the Lord came to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord, yet I loved Jacob. I just want to uh, extract from that for just a moment and preach to somebody. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Now, would you lift your hands with me right now and ask God to move in this house. God, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We give you honor. We give you glory. We give you thanks. God, I'm asking you, Lord, right now, have your way in this house. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost fall on this place. God, I'm asking you, Lord, right now, have your way in this house from the front to the back, side to side. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost destroy every mindset, every lying demon from hell that would try to convince somebody tonight that they don't have a purpose and they don't have a place in the kingdom of God. Let your will be done. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, that's it. Clap your hands, all ye people. And shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. I, my approach to Scripture is probably unorthodox uh, to some people. I, I am not one of the people that can read the Bible at night. Because when I read the Bible before I go to bed, I end up not going to bed. Because uh, there's things that just about Scripture that, that get under my skin and I just can't sleep. I can't think about nothing else until I figure it out. And with that being said, I want to ask you tonight, how much do you know about the Bible? 
What do you know about its content? Do you know that there are 12 minor prophets and five major prophets, four gospels? You know the Old Testament equalizer to the New Testament books such as Daniel and Revelation and Isaiah and John as writers? Do you know how to study, to show yourself approved, a workman who needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth? You know that there are 66 books in the Bible comprised from about 35 authors translated from three different languages. Did you know that there's language things that are there that you can't see on the surface that you can only find through studying the Word of God? And there are so many things that are in this precious book that that we do in the kingdom of God. When you, when you start thinking about scriptures that you need to know, one God scriptures, salvation scriptures, scriptures that teach us how to dress and how to live, how to love, how to forgive, how to not be bitter, how to pray, how to fast, how to worship at the house of God. And, and when we start taking all of that in, it can be a lot to remember and it can be a lot to hold on to. It can be a lot uh, to bring, to call up in just uh, a spur of the moment. And these, these are the things that keep me studying God's Word and, uh, because I love God's Word. And when I love His Word, I want to become more intimate with His Word. And that causes me to have questions. Anybody here besides me have questions? Now, now there's some questions I have, Bishop Mayo, that, that are really ignorant. Like, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, who's going to cook all that food? And how big is that commercial kitchen? The, the coon dogs go to heaven. I mean, that, Brother Marks, that's a pretty good one right there. I'd like to know that. Me and, I can just see me and Jesus chasing them. Well, help me, Lord. We're going to get on. Let's just let's preach. But I mean, I've got some questions that are ignorant. You know, we, we, we read about Joseph's coat of many. Here's, here's one that bothers, bothers me. We read about Joseph's coat of many colors. And you know, in Sunday school, you read or you seen the little coloring book and it was stripes. But was it stripes? Because the Bible don't say it was stripes. The Bible doesn't tell us it was polka dots. It doesn't say, it just says it was a coat of many colors. Now I got some of you wondering. I, was like, oh, I ain't never thought about that. These are things that, that, that keep me uh, coming back to study the word of the Lord. And, and, and there are things that as I read the word of God, it makes, it makes me question. It makes me wonder, why does this say this the way that it says this? And as uh, we start reading the word of God, we know the main stories of scripture. I'm, I'm sure that everybody here, uh, for the most part, has heard about David and Goliath, Noah and the ark, Moses and Pharaoh, Jesus feeding the 5,000, Zacchaeus, and a plethora of others that are there but what about the purpose of Obadiah like when was the last time you just opened the Bible to the book of Obadiah and started reading the word of God and understood its purpose Ooh, I'm getting where somebody lives now Nahum don't get no love we quote one scripture out of the book of Micah Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. But does anybody know any other scripture out of the book of Micah? 
That's my approach to Scripture, and that's what I, I look at when I begin to read the Word of God. And so uh, as I was reading recently the book of Malachi, I started going through this, and I, I started asking questions like, where did he go to kindergarten, and, and, and where did he buy his shoes, and all them ignorant questions that I have. But then I started looking at the purpose of the book, and we understand most of the minor prophets are a time of repentance. God is calling his people back to repentance and as I realize what's going on here God begins to talk they are living under the Persian Empire and we can read from the rebuke that God gives that Israel has messed up yet again there were corrupt priests they there was a curse that came upon them there is a rebuke to Judah for marrying the, the daughter of a strange God but there is this moment where God is opening and God is heartbroken and he begins to tell them I I have loved you, saith the Lord, and yet you still ask the question, wherein hast thou loved us? They were in a place. It was the righteous people of God that were crying out from captivity and from a place of brokenness, and they began to say, God, do you even care about us? God, do you even love us? God, do you care about us? And this is what I feel like the Lord is leading me to tonight because when we begin to sing and we begin to praise God, it's not hard for many of us to come to church and lift our hands and say, I love you, Jesus, because who wouldn't love somebody that died for them? Who wouldn't love somebody that shed his blood for them? I, I don't know about you. It's not hard for me to love Jesus. He's been so good to me. As the song says, I cannot tell you everything that the Lord has done for me. I'm in love with Jesus, but what is hard for so many people to understand when they're setting in dysfunction, when they're setting in captivity, when they're setting in brokenness. It's not only do I love Jesus, that's easy for us to get our mind around, but Jesus loves me. In spite of my brokenness, Jesus loves me. In spite of the dysfunction I'm living in, Jesus loves me. In spite of the sin that I've committed, Jesus loves me. Can I preach uh, to somebody right now that you don't believe that you can go to the next dimension and you don't believe you can get to the next level because of the things that have happened in your past. Uh, I've come to preach to somebody tonight uh, on a Monday night and remind you uh, if he didn't love you, uh, he wouldn't have saved you. Uh, if he didn't love you, uh, he wouldn't have picked you up uh, and turned you around. Uh, if Jesus didn't love you, uh, he wouldn't have looked past every one of your faults uh, and picked you up uh, and set you on a solid rock. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They, there is a moment that they continue to talk to God. Again, there, there, there's a lot going on in Malachi that I don't have time to get to. But in Malachi chapter 2 and verse 17, God speaks and says, You have wearied the Lord with your words, and yet you say, Wherein have we wearied him? When we say everyone that doth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them, or where is the God of judgment? 
judgment. They were looking at the world around them and they were saying God must not be on the throne because if God was on the throne, this would not be, I'm preaching where we're at right now. If God was not on the throne, this would not be happening in our world. But I've come to tell you what God was trying to tell them in the very beginning is if I was not God and I did not love, they're looking at all the wrong stuff. They're looking at the world going to hell in a handbasket. The bad guys are getting a pat on the back and the good guys are getting locked up. There's no righteous judgment. But God said if I wasn't still God and I wasn't still sitting on the throne, you would still be in Egypt and you would still be in captivity. I know you don't like the way things look right now. I know you don't like the status of our world, but let me just tell you one thing. God is still on the throne and all power in earth is in his hand. All power in heaven is in his hand. All power in all of the universe is in the hand of the Lord. Hallelujah. They were looking around. Can I preach like it's 2023? They were looking around and they were, in modern terms, they were saying all we can see is the abortion. All we can see is how messed up our world is. All we can see is the times we prayed and God seemingly did not answer. All we can see is the bills stacked up on the kitchen table. And all I can say is where is the God of Israel? Where is the God of judgment? Where is the God that said he'd make a way where there is no way? Where is the God that said he'd open doors that no man can close? But again, I want you to remember everything in the book of Malachi is just simply wrapped up in a few verses. One, he says, I loved you and I want to get that in your head. Malachi chapter 3, he goes on to say, for I am the Lord and I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. I got an answer to the questions that have been keeping you up at night. He's God and that won't change. And because he's God and because he's on the throne, he does all things well and God knows exactly what he's doing. You don't have to understand him to trust him. You don't have to understand him to put your faith in him. But one thing you must know, God is still God. For I am the Lord, and I change not. He said, Jacob, you keep asking if I love you. He said, I want you to know I love you. I want you to know I love you so much that I've kept you through danger seen and unseen. I kept you when nobody else wanted you. I kept you when you were dysfunctional. I kept you when you were about to lose your mind. He said, if I wasn't God, I'm still that same God that loved you when nobody else would love you. Come on, I'm preaching to a saint right now that you've been trying to weed through your emotions uh, in living for God uh, and you haven't been able to do it successfully uh, because you can't get past the fact that somebody you've never met in the flesh uh, would love you the way that God loves you. But you hear this preacher today, Jesus uh, loves you uh, so much uh, that he gave his life for you uh, and he is still that same God. I am the Lord, and I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob, 
are not consumed. He said, if I didn't love you and I didn't care about you, you wouldn't be where you're at right now. So get this through your head. And this is just what God's telling his people. And this is what I feel like telling somebody today. You need to recognize that God loves you when you don't love yourself. You need to recognize that God cares about you when you don't care about yourself. I I, I know I'm not preaching to everybody. There's some folks that come to church tonight, and you got it all together. I know that. And you feel like I'm just preaching and just to preach. That's not the case tonight. I'm preaching to two or three people that have been struggling in their walk with God because you don't feel like you have any worth in the kingdom. You don't matter to the kingdom. Can I tell you? I'm going to take this a step further. Not only does Jesus love you, but this church loves you you. Not only does Jesus love you, but your brother sitting next to you loves you. Not only does Jesus have a purpose for your life, but there's a purpose for you in this church. Come on, I'm going to say it again. I'm reaching for the one or two that left the sheep told this week, and you made up in your mind, if I don't get a word from God this week at the house of God, I'm quitting church and I'm not coming back no more. No, 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 don't do it. Don't walk away from God. Jesus loves you. Don't walk out of the church bitter. Jesus, God's keeping you because he loves you, because he's got a purpose for your life. You think, oh, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. You think God brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light to forget about you and just leave you in the back closet of the church somewhere? You think God brought you out of sin into a life of freedom to leave you sitting on the pew? No, honey. He said, I am the Lord and I change not. Therefore, you're not consumed. Recognize I'm the same God and I care about you the same way. I care about you right now the way I did when I seen you in your brokenness and I started putting you back together again. I'm the same God that seen your broken marriage and started putting it back together again. Don't you give up on it now. Don't you throw in the towel now. He's the same God and he's got the same love in spite of what's going on in your world. We live in an ever-evolving world that things are always changing. Rights are changing. Laws are changing. Uh, There's just so much change in our world. But let me just tell you right now, there's one thing that ain't ever going to change. Jesus loves you. Some stuff's never going to change. And that's the fact that if if he hung and bled and died for you on a hill called Calvary, listen, he's already done that. He's not going to do it again. He wants you to recognize when he did it, he did it for you way back then. And and please don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying right now. But I'm just going to tell you, he didn't just die for the world. He didn't just say, oh, I'm going to come and I'm going to die, and that's going to cover the sins of the world. But when he died, he was thinking about a saint of God, a young man, a young lady, a saint uh, that was at Cornerstone in 2000. 
2023 that were broken and that was hurting and that was wondering, does Jesus really love me? He wasn't just dying for the world as one big blob, but he was dying for you as an individual for you to understand that you can have life and have it more abundantly. You don't have to buy into what the, the lie that the devil put on you, the label that he attached to you, that because what your parents did and because what you've done in the past, that you've got to live the rest of your life with that label attached to you. I've come to preach to you tonight that the devil is a liar. You don't have to live with the label, but you can stand up and recognize I am who God says I am. I have a walk with a God that loves me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I understand. I understand insecurities. Please don't misunderstand me. And you know, as well as I do, each and every one of us have them. If you say you don't have any insecurities of any type, you need to be the first one at the altar because you're lying. Everybody's got them in some form or fashion. Some people, some people need to know that they're loved. And I've come to preach with a message from the Father tonight that he, I'm going to say it to you, get it in your spirit. Jesus loves you. I know you're insecure. And I know you need to hear it every now and again. And I know you feel like you're a million miles away because you're not on the platform singing and you're not one of the ones that's leading worship. You're not the one that's running the aisles before everybody else. And, and, and you may feel like because you're not a leader in worship and you're not a leader on the platform that you don't matter. But God told me to tell you, why do you keep questioning? Do you even love us? That was the message to through the prophet Malachi. God's people have been in captivity. They've been in bondage and God keeps delivering delivering them. They walk away from God. They, they, tell, they basically tell God, we don't care about you. We don't love you. We're willing to worship any God that'll let us worship him. And every time they repent, God just keeps on taking them back. And they begin to pray and say, God, do you even love us? And he's saying, honey, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't have took you back when you worshiped Baal. And I wouldn't have took you back when you fell down and you worshiped Dagon. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't have took you back when you sacrificed your kids to Moloch. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't have brought you through all this. You were in sin. You didn't, you didn't even worship me, but I loved you so much. Why do you keep, keep asking, do I love you? I've come to tell you tonight, you need reassurance. Here it is. Jesus loves you. You can be the minority, like a man like Gideon who says he's the least of his father's house and is hiding away in the threshing floor. And God says, I love you so much. I'll send an angel to single you out when you feel like you're the most insignificant in the church. I'll send an angel to let you know that you can still lead God's people to victory. So what are you getting at, preacher? I'm telling you that there are keys that individuals have in this church that only you have. 
And we can't be a fully functional church if you're not operating in the anointing that God has called you to operate in. And the reason that the enemy wants to intimidate you and convince you that you don't matter is because he wants this church to operate on a limp to where we're not in full function because you are not doing what God has called you to do. But I'm just here to tell you right now, you matter. You matter. You matter to God. You say, preacher, you've done said that a hundred times. I'm going to say it a hundred more. You matter to God. You matter to this church. You matter to the leadership. You matter. You matter. You matter. You matter to the kingdom of God. There are things that you can do that nobody else in the kingdom can do. There are people that you can win that nobody else can be touched by. Any. No, they're not going to be touched by the preacher. They're going to be touched by you when you start operating in the fact that Jesus loves me. I'm secure to know that He loves me. Musicians come, I'm not far from being done. What happens? What happens when your back's against the wall and there's nowhere to turn to? There's nobody to talk to. Why do you think we'd start teaching our kids at a young age in Sunday school? Yes, Jesus loves me. Because we want you to understand as a young person, it doesn't matter if you're two, there are 102. You matter. You matter. You matter to God. You matter to his people. He's talking to people that seemingly have a short memory. Bishop, they they stop. It's amazing to me how, how much we are like the people in the Bible. It really is. It's amazing to me how God will... Take, for instance, the children of Israel. And we'll come back to this here in a second. But they get delivered and God opens up the Red Sea. Timbrels, dancing, shouting. And the next day they're cursing God. They just watched an ocean open up. And they walked across on dry land. And the next day they're like, what to God? We'd have died in Egypt. Now we're hungry. Now we're thirsty. As if God didn't just work a miracle with water yesterday. So I, I, I think that if I'd have been standing there and I'd have, I think sometimes we are so cynical of Bible characters. If I'd have been standing there and I'd have watched the water open up, I'd have just known that God was fixing to make a way, Sister Mel. But didn't he bring you out of bondage and now you're wondering how you're going to pay your bills? He, he delivered you from alcoholism and drugs and homelessness and now you're wondering if, if God has a purpose for your life. You just watched that, that proverbial Red Sea open up and you walked across on dry land and now you want to stand in the church and say, I don't even know if God loves me. 
I'm not here with a rebuke tonight. I'm here to encourage you and tell you if you have forgotten what it feels like to be loved by God, you just need to take a look around you and remember where God brought you from. And I promise you it won't take you really long and you'll start remembering all the things that God has done. And you can't help but just stand and say, I love him, but he loves me too. He loves me enough to keep me in the church. I've seen a lot of people fall by the wayside, but I've got enough purpose in my life. He loves me enough that he's keeping me. He loves, I'm stand, stand with me if you will. I'm done. He loves me enough that when I come to church, I don't understand. I, I'm just going to tell y'all. I feel like Gideon in the sense of I'm the least of my father's house. If there's anybody that don't deserve to be traveling this country and preaching the gospel, it's me. I promise you, I, I understand. I, I come from a background of Pentecost, but I've been preaching a long time, but I just I know me better than I know anybody else. And I know what the writer said when he said that the heart was desperately wicked and who could know it. I, I don't know if I'm by myself tonight, but I fight my flesh. I know I'm saved. I, I preach, I pray in tongues, I got the Holy Ghost, but I fight my flesh. I'm gonna tell you, this is just God's honest truth. Y'all wanna know, I'm this a little bit comical, but it's the honest truth. If I go to hell over anything, it's gonna be road rage. I, there's just something about me getting behind people. It, I, don't, I don't say bad words, but I want to. My flesh wants to. I'm just being honest with you tonight. Oh, I'm, I'm getting down where somebody lives right now. We all got our struggles. And what the devil would love to convince you is that because you've got a struggle is that God has given up on you. And so what happens is when we believe that God has given up on us, we start giving up on ourselves. There are some things that God will not do for you. He'll die for you. He'll shed his blood for you. But he's not going to make you live for him. He's not going to pick you up by the nap of the neck and, and, and make you realize and speak it out of your own mouth that you have purpose. You have to realize that for yourself. I've got faults. I've got failure. I've got shortcomings. And I'm not giving you a license to sin. God, help us that we live a life. That's why the apostle John began to teach. And he said, my beloved children, take heed that you sin not, period. But when you sin, we have an advocate with the Father. The man, Christ Jesus. He said, listen, I want you to live as good as you can live. But when you fall short and you don't feel like you're enough, you need to understand this. You have a relationship with a God that cares about you. 
I'm opening these altars right now. Again, I know I haven't preached to everybody. You come back tomorrow night and I'll preach to everybody. We'll run, we'll shout, we'll swing from the chandeliers. I don't know what God's got in store for tomorrow night, but right now I'm chasing that one that's left the fold and you feel broken and you feel insignificant and you've learned how to hide it. You've learned how to come to church and put on a smile and and say everything's okay, but you know and God knows that on the inside of you there's brokenness and you feel like God doesn't care anymore. This service is for you. Come on, God stopped the whole revival. God stopped everything for this moment for you to understand you matter to God. You matter to God.